Hi everyone, welcome to the Dyslexia Life Act Show with me, Matthew Head. In this episode, we're talking to Marnie Spicer, who is co-founder of Dyscalculia Me and co-developer of Table Fables. She's Australian-based and with her UK-based business partner, Rebecca, they're on a mission to cure maths anxiety for all for good. If you're dyslexic and don't think you have dyscalculia, it's still worth a good listen because you'll pick up some tips to help you with maths along the way in this episode. Marnie has a background as a life coach. She's worked in IT and also in graphic design. So I feel this probably feeds a lot into the Dyscalculia Me system. As always, I will post links to Dyscalculia Me and Table Fables in the show notes, which will be available at dyslexialifehacks.com forward slash podcast. Welcome to the show, Marnie. Thank you, Matt. It's great to be on your show. That's all right. I thought we'd start as uh, a good scientist with a definition of terms. Describe to everybody exactly what dyscalculia is. Well, that is quite an interesting question because um, dyscalculia is still, well, dyscalculia, yeah. I mean, it's kind of uncool the way they say it, isn't it? I keep <laughs> trying to change it to dyscalculia. <laughs> it does the, make the a right bit more sense like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Um, the right pronunciation is dyscalculia. But yeah, so really what it is, it is a bit like dyslexia. It is it is described as dyslexia with numbers, mm. um, except there are quite a few other attributes that go along with it, as I'm sure dyslexia also has. But, you know, so generally speaking, people with dyscalculia, they're not great with mental maths. Uh, that's a struggle for them. Um, but time management, re- remembering names is a really big one. Um, driving too fast and too slow, which is interesting, um, get lost easily and they misplace things very easily. They, they, one of the really early signs actually of dyslex, um, dyscalculia is um, not being able to read an analog clock. Um, and they're using that as a little bit of an early warning signal for students and for younger kids in school, that if they really struggle, then that could be a very telltale sign. But yeah, there's quite a few th- things that go along with it. So generally, it is dyslexia with numbers. So that's probably the best way to describe what dyscalculia is. That's really interesting because a bit like dyslexia, where everybody goes, oh, that's the one where you can't spell. You've just listed a load of other things underneath the not being very good with maths and mental arithmetic that also uh-huh. is affected. So it's quite easy to oversimplify things. How is yeah. the driving thing? You mentioned that you can go too fast uh-huh. or too slow. What is that, just because you don't have a feel for what? Well, that's it. I think, I mean, uh, people with dyscalculia, often time is a real real problem. So is distance. And say, you know, um, when they say driving too fast or too slow, it's, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, generally speaking, you travel at a speed and you kind of know by the visuals going past your window what kind of speed you're doing, I think. And also, you know, if you are bad with numbers and reading, your speedometer isn't going to be as simple as for somebody who recognizes numbers very easily. So, you know, it's they're not great at gauging distance and speed and, you know, which is all kind of related to time in a way. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really know the absolute science or what's going on in the brain with that, but I just know a lot of people with dyscalculia struggle with driving and learning how to drive too is a bit of a problem. But yeah, there's a, it's a, it's a conglomerate of things. And obviously no one person is the same. Of so, course. you know, pe- 
yeah, so it's all very individual. But, you know, dyscalculia is a pretty new, not diagnosis, I don't really want to say that, but, you know, mm-hmm. dyslexia has been around for a long time, um, <laughs> at least 20 yes. years people have been. I mean, obviously it's been around since the dawn of humankind, but, well, since we were made to read. Um, <laughs> yes. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, since education began, I suppose, um, because before then, most of us weren't really doing maths or English, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's kind of um, the neurodiversity of hum- humankind is ex- is extreme and expanding forever, moving forward. But I think, you know, so quite often I think being able to pin labels on people is always quite tricky, but it's um, it's not without its benefits, I suppose. Yeah, especially when it comes to knowing how to teach somebody with dyscalculia or and or teach somebody with dyslexia. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking as well. It's sometimes the labels are are kind of it's horrible to label people because as individuals we're all unique anyway. But mm-hmm. if you know you're dyslexic, dyscalculic, autistic, ADHD, you can then mm-hmm. go find specialists in that field that will help you with that area where yes. Uh, sort of running around blind <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. struggle to work it out and same with parents I think I think it's really especially with behavioral issues with children I think it's really important that they know that you know ways to be able to help their child I think that's key and then you know mm-hmm. you help your child you also help yourself so um I think that's where being diagnosed with things is very beneficial do you yeah. find a lot of parents come in and I'm like, I do the same as my child with this. <laughs> I've had a lot of yeah. dyslexic to find out when their children are picked up and they're like, well, I do that. Hang on, I best go check this out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. For sure. That's right. Dyscalculia is the same. Um, generally speaking, when a, a parent does recognize that at least either one of them might have dyscalculia or a grandparent, or, you know, they can see the absolute line lineage of where the dyscalculia has come from. But yeah, mm. genetics has a big role to play. There's no doubt about that. Do you find um, you have a lot of crossover? Do you have, find dyscalculia is more likely in dyslexics or is it quite sort of discrete from one another? Well, they they estimate that about 50% of people with dyslexia also have dyscalculia, mm. um, which I'm not exactly sure where they get their estimations from. But I have noticed with all the, with the studies I'm doing and the people I'm talking to, a lot of people with dyscalculia also have ADD, um, which I okay. think is interesting. Yes, um, yeah. Yeah, and that's a kind of quite a, a new link which is being discovered, or certainly a new link for me, but then when I put in the research, it, it has a few mumblings about it, but it's, you know, it's it's not guaranteed that you have one and have the other two, but it does seem like a lot, a lot of people I talk to um, definitely have ADD as well. What they know they do, yeah. So, and it can also be, you know, when when they're doing their own research on whether or not they have dyscalculia, you know, they think, well, yeah, I do have ADD, and then they kind of make the link through their ADD that they mm-hmm. have dyscalculia. And I wonder if dyslexia is. Um, do you find a lot of dyslexics have ADD? I've seen. A few of them. I've yet to have a guest on the podcast that's ADD and dyslexic, but I'm starting to see quite a lot of it. And I, some of the books and bits and pieces I've read on it will mention the sort of attention mm. deficit comes in. But whether that's a, 
ADD comes through because you get frustrated as a dyslexic person, particularly in the school system where it's just not working mm-hmm. for you and your brain's halfway out here. Yeah. Um, and all that kind of stuff. You're, you're more interested in what's going on outside or you're yeah. looking at that ceiling, wondering how all the lights and pipes work above it. Whether that's the kind of... I, I want to get somebody on who's got ADD and dyslexia and understand how the two bolt together because I've got dyslexia without ADD, mm-hmm. but I've also never been sort of tested for ADD. And I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, part of part of my mitigation for some of the dyslexic traits is actually buckling down and working even harder and being more relentless, which feels not like an ADD trait at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I am kind of wondering. Really. I, I, I agree. It's a bit of a chicken and the egg scenario, I, yeah. I think, too. Yeah, and I, I I mean, as if any child who can't understand something that's being taught to them and isn't given, you know, the, the patience and the time or the different style of teaching that they need to be able to understand, of course they're going to go floating away, you know, yeah, course, somewhere yeah. else. And, and also, you know, they do know that with ADD as well, once a person decides that they see value in learning something or they 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 get you know they just like the subject or they can really they do really well you know it's just a matter of finding the link between well why do I need to know this and what's the point of knowing it and I I I really think that in schools we need to focus so much more on on that we need to show real life reasons for why children are learning things especially as they get older Maybe mm-hmm. when they're younger, it's not it's not so much a problem, but certainly when they start to think for themselves. You know, teachers really need to start to relate to real-world things, I think, a lot more. And it would hold interest for a lot more children too, I believe, anyway. Well, you but think yeah. about it. Like, even as adults, like, if we're doing something or we've been taken to a place we don't want to be, we have itchy feet and you know you I don't know wherever say you're at a fancy dinner and it's just boring and you're twiddling with your cuff links or you think your feet itch or your legs you know we all do it yeah. even as that grown yeah. adults uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. in my late 30s that's right do it. So <laughs> yeah and then the way we teach when you think about it you know we make kids the kids sit down um and stagnant they're stagnant and they're being forced to learn in that way and it's just like mm. come on then let's just at least with boys, I think they learn so much better on the move. You know, let's do, get them doing something. And, you know, as they, especially with, you know, particular subjects like biology, for example, where you need to learn the parts of the human body. You need to learn the names, you know, off the bones, for example. You know, do something where they're moving, labelling things, making up rhyming poems to remember bits and pieces. You know what I mean? And it's just... The way they teach, too, I think, also lacks a lot of um, imagination and and thought for how how it how children in particular learn, you know. So anyway, yeah. I, you don't want to get me started on the education system. <laughs> That's a whole other subject. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so it's, uh, it's we could get tragic. into heavily into that one so (laughs) before we end up with a a a long kind of talk in the education system and we don't talk about a website i thought Mm -hmm. we'd uh, maybe take a slight left turn and where did the idea of discalculating me come from and how did that sort of where was the seeds of that okay so the seed we actually did it the other way around so table fables which is um a learning tool for children in particular with this calculator although all kids can learn their times tables 
So Table Fables is a website which is designed to teach the times tables and division through visual learning. So it, you know, every number is a character and every every um times table is a story. Mm-hmm. And um because we have the numbers, every number has a particular setting that their stories happen in. They have a particular characteristic as well. So there's a lot of memory triggers. For example, number seven is a boomerang. Kind of looks, it looks like the number seven as well. Number eight is a snowman. And so when seven times eight happens, or eight times seven, the boomerang comes in. He was like mm. to chop things. So he chops the head of the snowman. Two bits go rolling down the hill. There's a five on one and a six on the other, which is 56. And so kids just visually remember that. They go, oh, the boomerang, snowman. Oh, yeah, chopped head, bang, 56. And they just remember. And it's very fast. Visual mm. memory works very quickly unlike say learning songs which can work but we found that a lot of children had to sing all the way through you know the song the eight times table song to get seven times eight and then they know the answer it's not very efficient um so yes yes my my best mate in london who also she has dyscalculia she also has dyslexia um and And she's what about she got three Sorry, no, myself, no, I'm just the old neurotypical, boring neurotypical. (laughs) (laughs) Because unfortunate, you know, because I've worked with so many people who aren't neurotypical, it's kind of, I get a little bit envious sometimes because, you know, I think the way their brains work is just a lot more exciting. (laughs) Mm. I honestly think that children who aren't neurotypical are the people of the future. I honestly think that, you know, with... um, the fact that, let's face it, our jobs and things are going to be taken over by AI and, and machines and, and computers, the the real thing that's going to be left for humanity is our creativity. Mm-hmm. And there's no denying that that kids with, you know, you name any of the labels, really, they they generally speaking have, they're, they're in the creative areas, you know, they're very creative. A lot of um, kids with dyscalculia are really amazing with language so they are, you know, great with writing stories. Their imaginations are just, you know, beyond. Which brings me back to Rebecca Ginger, who was the creator of Table Fables or the inventor. Right. Um, she, so, you know, she was faced with the problem of needing to teach her, her I can't remember, yeah, her daughter, um, the times tables and that nothing she did was working. And she's like, I have to solve this problem because mm. she needed her daughter to get into another school after year five. And um, and so she just sat down, started drawing little cartoons for every story, like just drawings and explaining the numbers, characters. Anyway, it seemed to work. And so then I landed back in London because I left for six years, went back to Sydney for a little while. And then um, I saw her drawings and she explained to me what she was doing. And I was like, this is great. This is awesome. You know, and she's like, I want to turn it into a website. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll help you. I'll, let's do it together. So then, we you know, we just, Bex pretty much had all the stories in the head. I mean, that's how amazing she is. She really had it all there. But I just helped bring it to life with the um, images and, you know, and then we added the accents, which I don't know whether that was a great idea. Now, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it makes it funnier <laughs> and it helps the kids also remember the characters, you know, a little better. Seeing the boomerangs, Aussie, and the 
and the uh, snowman's Russian and the snake is Indian, you know, and it just adds a little bit of humor. Number six is the girl with the big sort of hair that goes to number six. Yes. And she's got like this heavy, heavy Irish accent. Yeah, she's northern Northern Irish. (laughs) Why is she so thick Irish? (laughs) But, But every time I think of it, Number six, I can hear the heavy Northern Irish accent. Yeah, yeah. Know exactly what it's a it very is. masculine sounding female. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, they got a male Irish person to say that voice. <laughs> she is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> yes, no, so it is good and it gets a lot of the kids laughing. And, you know, Bex is a big believer in um, learning and laughing at the same time. And so, yeah, so we developed um, Table Fables together. It took us a couple of years. About two or three years until we launched, um, so did, and it's still did, a work in progress. Did you use your sort of IT and graphics background to bring all the animations to life? Is I did, yeah. Sort of so I kind of sat down and did the 122 drawings or something like that, um, <laughs> <laughs> which was bum-numbing, to say the least. But, yeah, yeah it was uh, – it was that was good. And then, yeah, we did we, – we, I am a web developer too, but um, – no, we hired someone else to build the original site. But, yeah, and it, you know, progressed. And then we found somebody to do turn it into animations. And, yeah, it just progressed forward. And, um, you know, we have, a, we have a, a clock as well now to help kids read the analog clock. So mm. on the same website, we have a, it's called, it's a poo, and we, we teach with poos and toilets. So, yeah, you know, very high So you teach style. what? Um, the an- analog clock is taught to children with poos and toilets. <laughs> so P <laughs> is for past and toilet is for two. So you've got poos of all different sizes on the one to six and then you've got <laughs> toilets from all right. different sizes from six to 12. Anyway, it makes sense if you watch it. But it's, it's very funny. It is very funny. It makes me laugh every time. And, you know, we're helping kids learn how to, you know, tell the time on the clock, which is great because that is a definite real struggle for kids with dis, um, dyscalculia too. Mm. So, yes, so we did the uh, table fables, which was great. Um, but then at the same time, uh, the fact that we were designing this tool for children with dyscalculia, um, we we kind of wanted to set up something that I could continue to work on as well because Becky's baby kind of is table fables and mine is the dyscalculia.me site and okay with my life coaching background you know I wanted to bring that in somehow and so mm-hmm. now that is really starting to take off with a dyscalculia mm-hmm. um I've designed a program to help uh people with dyscalculia or learning difficulties kind of <laughs> okay so mass anxiety is a very big problem for adults with dyscalculia yes so yes. they really struggle and, you know, numbers and maths is around us all the time. You can't escape it. Um, and so I just help people overcome their mass anxiety, really get them to a space where they are willing and ready to move on with their maths, maths learning. Where are they, wherever they stopped, they can continue on. Yeah, because I imagine it's a bit like myself with the dyslexia where it held me back for a long time being mm. anxious about writing stuff because it's yes. like, it sort of mirrors in the maths. Like I can imagine you're sat there and you're like, I want to do a a more senior job at work and I can do all the reports, blah, blah, blah. But they want me to now do finance or time 
time plans into a spreadsheet or whatever. Oh yeah. my God, this is maths yes. and I absolutely want to run away and hide from it. <laughs> Even though exactly Excel will do right. the multiplication, but I imagine the whole yeah. thing just doesn't talk to them out of the screen. Yeah. If well, if you if you become start to become anxious with anything, doesn't matter what it is, being able to achieve or or do that one thing is going to be a lot harder than if you don't have the anxiety. So I pretty much just help people get rid of the anxiety. And um, and then, you know, uh, for example, one of my, I don't really like calling them clients. Clients is a weird name for me, but anyway, I need to find a better word for it, word <laughs> for the people I help. Um, yes. <laughs> she wants to build her own business. Okay. You know, so she um, is a faceologist, faceologist or something. Um, so I, I guess she's a beauty therapist of some sort um, <laughs> specializes in certain things and but the one thing holding her back is that she doesn't she can't do numbers she, she's literally scared of doing numbers and and that's what's holding her back so I'm helping her lose that fear gain confidence understand that you know if you're just taught in a different way you will learn so, mm. so just mm. you know and that is key you know it's not the the idea that people with dyscalculate cannot learn maths is is kind of almost ridiculous now. Of course, you know, there are probably, it's all a spectrum thing, isn't it? So probably yes. somebody who's got severe, severe dyscalculate, they probably will struggle to ever really do some all maths. But, you know, things to like spreadsheets, et cetera, I really find that by telling someone with dyscalculia, look, turn it into a language because maths is really just another language when you think about it. It is, yeah. Um, and that kind of instantly makes them feel better about maths. But, you know, what's happening is so many of the people I help, they've kind of forgotten what happened at school or they pushed it to the back of their memory or they just haven't thought about it in a long time and, Mm. And the whole thing with life coaching, which relates to anxiety, which comes from, you know, the early stages of your life when these particular emotions were set inside you. So when you were first in the classroom and you were singled out to be different, you know, the teachers weren't trying to, they were trying only trying to help you. But course, yeah. just that one thing of a child being singled out amongst their peers is is sometimes really quite life-changing just that one little thing um and I'm not I certainly don't believe in victim mentality but I 100% believe in the the fact that you need to go back and you need to undo the emotions that are attached to whatever may have happened to you you know and 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 to be honest with you most people with dyscalculia are made to feel stupid because mm. you know when you can't do maths straight away you were made to believe that you weren't very intelligent um and i suppose that probably happens a lot with dyslexia too you know oh, if you can't definitely. read then you must be dumb you know and it's just like yep. obviously not the case at all but as a young child um influence you know very easily influenced it's going to have a very big impact and um and then you know a lot of the people i help they don't really recognize the the impact of all of that in their adult life um, until they go back 
because I, I, I use um, timeline therapies and matrix therapies, which are very, very life-changing kind of processes that you, you do with life coaching. And, um, and so then, yeah, literally we undo the damage that's been done pretty much. And, and then they can move forward. I see. So, yeah. so you take a deep dive in the past and kind of, I guess, reset the event that really got them, oh, my God, mm-hmm. and get the anxiety to disappear. Then do you mm-hmm. then refer them almost to table fables to get them to have a handle on maths? Or how do you do that with an adult? It's good fun, table fables, but it's very much aimed oh. at a, a five to six-year-old, that kind of primary school audience. Do, yes. do you find adults jump on it as well? Well, for sure. Adults who really just are desperate, say, to learn their times tables, uh, they will use table fables. Um, Bex is hoping to create an adult version, actually, which would be lots of fun. I imagine it would be very rude. But I, I think it's going to be, gonna be rude. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it will be very um, um So she's hoping to do that in the future. Um, but, yeah, Adults, so there is a doctor in the States, Dr. Schroeder, and she's pretty much leading the way on training uh, tutors to be able to teach children and adults with dyscalculia because, you know, pretty much it has, it. everything has to be taught visually. Um, mm-hmm. and, and in a way, I don't know the absolute teachings of how they do it, but I know that it is more visual. Um and it's kind of a little bit like, uh, just as, like I said, you know, don't think of it as maths, especially when it comes to spreadsheets, you know, because it is kind of formula-based, you know, the cells are formula-based. And so you think of it as a language, not as a maths. Um, and, yeah, I imagine Dr. Schroeder, the adult program, is probably focusing more on helping people learn how to do spreadsheets and things, you know, the really the stuff that you really do need to use when you've got your own business or. Yes. Yeah. You know, that is pretty much what, you know, but yeah, I mean, a lot of dyscalculics are great at lots of different maths, you know, so algebra, some are really great at algebra, some are great with statistics, you know, and you're just like, wow, how, can, how do you get statistics when you generally can't get numbers, you know, but it's, it is um, quite fascinating. Well, I used to find the more complicated the maths was, the better I was at it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. The basic stuff tricked mm-hmm. me over. Um, but mm-hmm. I got into calculus and statistics of uni and could just do it because you sort of remove mm-hmm. the, the rote learning part out of it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of, it's, you were saying about painting a story, um, that's kind of maths moved from being stories to just cold numbers. This is where our, the inspiration of Alice in Wonderland comes from, where it's mm-hmm. you know, the cat. What's the smile without the cat? Because it, it used to be like four apples and all this kind of thing. And then they moved it to very much just cold numbers. And interesting, mm-hmm. it sounds like dyscalculics also think a bit like dyslexics where they're picture thinkers. So I did, I really learned how to do the alphabet beginning of this year where Part of the Davis program, where instead of doing the you know ABCD, swinging all the way through it and singing the whole alphabet song or bits of it to learn it, you end up modeling the alphabet and then taking a picture of it in your mind where it is and sort of hovering over the picture to find where the letters are and what's to the side of it, which sounds like a very similar thing to what you're saying with the times tables, where it's you don't want to mean two, 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 four, six, eight, ten. <laughs> Every time you mm-hmm. do that stuff out, it's like, well, what is that? That is that answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and this is the thing with the foundational maths. It, it's 
you know, there are just, you, you need those foundations to kind mm. of build on. And I just think it's very sad when the education system fails, you know, children who don't learn in a neurotypical way. Um, they literally fail. They just don't help them at all. And it was interesting. I was talking, you know, one of my clients is in Iceland. and um, Oh, wow. <laughs> Global reach. Yeah, they're everywhere, everywhere. And you're in Brisbane, there, aren't you? I am. I am yeah. in Brisbane, Australia. Yes, the time zone isn't the best, but, you know, <laughs> it's kind of cool. I do a lot of my um, work at night in the evenings, mm-hmm. um, and then I can do whatever I want in the day, so that's kind of cool. But, um, yeah, she was saying that she was diagnosed quite early, which I thought was fascinating because um, America's quite ahead with dyscalculia. They diagnose in schools early, um, and but then there's not really much more that they do after that point. But Iceland, she was pretty much told that she doesn't need to do maths. Well, don't worry about maths. We won't teach you because pretty much we don't know how to teach you. So at first she thought that was really great. It was like, woo excellent. I don't have to do something I hate. And then she recognised, oh, no, this isn't good. Um, All these doors are closed to me now. I can't do so much that I might have wanted to do because I don't have basic maths. So, you know, they really do their kids a disservice. They, they, it's literally like saying, well, too hard basket. We're not, we're just not going to teach you. Is that all right? <laughs> and it's not all right. It's not all no, right. No, it's not, not at all. Because imagine as an adult, you get yourself in lots of debt and struggle with yes, understanding exactly. interest and all the financial stuff is a math system, isn't it? So you're, That's you're exactly stop- it stumbling over struggling by houses getting ripped off buying cars not investing mm-hmm. in whatever it is because you just don't understand this whole world that most of the capitalist yeah. place is built on really oh and now with this digital world you know i mean once we had you know i mean obviously we had just our money in our bank accounts the money the cash in our wallets now mm. you know we're using all these pay systems on our phones and the amount of times i've seen you know, you really have to keep track of your bills now yes, because all of a sudden one, whether it's your internet company or whatever, they'll take more money out than they should. And you just wouldn't know if you don't keep track. Mm-hmm. So keeping track has never been more impor- um, important, you know, with um, the amount of kind of, well, what's it called? Cyber theft going on now. It's crazy. If you imagine that you don't have much of a concept of the numbers, no longer is it handing a £10 note over and then you get the goods, but the £10 note doesn't come back. You hand a plastic mm-hmm. card over, it comes back to you mm-hmm. with the goods. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like any transactions happened either. And if you're really, it doesn't feel like that to me sometimes. And mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. I have dyscalculia, but imagine if you're pretty poor with, and yeah. so the numbers just don't make sense. It, it gets you completely That's right. Lost. That's right. You just wouldn't even know. I mean, they could add an extra zero or something you wouldn't even know. But, you know, I mean, the one good thing about, um, you know, paying with card and stuff nowadays is they don't have to worry about, did I get the right change? Because that's yes. a real struggle for them. <laughs> yes, you of know, course. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's advantages and there's disadvantages. But I think baseline mass, everybody has the right to know and to be able to, everybody has the right to know how to do a spreadsheet because, you know, that's, um, you really can't run your own business. You can't go out alone if you don't understand money and numbers and that everybody has that basic right, I think. 
I think so. I completely agree mm. with you on that one. So yeah. how are you planning to sort of move Dyscalculia Me and Table Fables forwards in the future? I've already touched on maybe doing an adult version of Table Fables, which sounds like a bit mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I know. It really needs to happen. Um, well, I think Table Fables uh, is going to merge into a kind of online space where you'll be able to come and get, you know, kind of life hacks for dyscalculia Mm -hmm. Um, as far as, say, learning how to read an analog clock, doing your times tables. I think Bex is working on fractions as well. It's going to be called farting fractions. So you can imagine. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's our grandpa who loves to fart. And um, (laughs) my mind um, boggles what that's going to look like. (laughs) (laughs) His his Welsh as well. His Welsh. Um, (laughs) Like your like what you do, you know, has some really good ways around doing, you know, just do it like this and then you'll be able to manage. There's that kind of um, solution for almost everything as well to do with numbers. So, you know, I think Table Fables, it's probably going to change its name a little bit, but that space will be a place where you can actually go to learn your foundations. Mm-hmm. Um mainly for children at the moment, but hopefully we move on from there because teenagers is a massive, massive issue as well. Mm-hmm. Teenagers. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. They, yeah, they've kind of been left behind because dyscalculia is still quite a new diagnosis and they're kind of really in the grey zone and, you know, they've got a lot to handle these days and, 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 just, yes. and then on top of that they have kind of... Mm, misdiagnosed or not even recognized it's not even recognized let's face it in the in the um the uk that it's really poor at recognizing same with australia they won't they just refuse to have a screening for kids who kind of stand out mm. you know because every child can be good at maths it's just the way it is so when a teacher says well they're just no good at maths that should just be a little you know, alarm bell saying, well, okay, they're not good at maths the way I teach it, but they obviously need to learn in a different way and then they'll be good at maths. So, I mean, obviously we have minds that are better with numbers and they're just naturally gifted with numbers. I think having the basic right to know the fundamentals, everybody should have the same Mm -hmm. language and science and everything else that, yes, I might not be an English Mm -hmm. laureate, but I should have the basic mm-hmm. right to be able to write competent stories and emails and stuff, things like that. Yes. The same with maths. People should be able yes. to understand the financial world. Like They don't need to be the next yes. maths professor, but the basic right should be there. That's right. And so, you know, we really do. I mean, when we first developed Table Fables, we were walking into schools in, the, in London, mm. trying to, you know, giving it away, trying to give it away. Um, we take the teachers through how it works. And a lot of the teachers, all the teachers actually, seemed really keen on it. Then it would be the head of maths who would decide on whether or not we have this or we don't have this. And pretty much the head of maths always stood in the way and that was it, gone. Not even, And we're not even, we weren't even asking for any money. It was just, Mm -hmm. you know, please, 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 can you use this in your classrooms? Because then every child can learn. We don't leave anyone behind. They can all learn. And also, it's a really great reference for um, teachers in the classroom. Mm. 
to, you know, go, okay, yeah, the boomerang and the snowman. What do we, what's the answer to that, kids? 56, that's right. Rather than going, okay, Johnny, do seven circles. Now in seven circles, put eight dots and now count them. And you're like, yeah, great. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's just one of those things. You just need to know the numbers. You need to know. Having an understanding of what multiplication and division is, yeah, great. You do need to have an understanding. But just having those numbers in your head for referral, just knowing that that's what the numbers are. And at the same time as we're teaching the multiplications, we're teaching division as well, you know, which is really key because division is actually um, used more in maths when you think about it because fractions and all yeah. that is, is division. Um, yeah, so it's it's super important, but it's it's very easy. The kids just learn the stories the other way around. They become kind of like a detective and we give them a big clue, you know, of like, say, 56 divided by seven and so would have like the two snowman bits and then they put those and then they kind of do it backwards and they're like oh yeah eight eight was the other character in that story and oh yes because they they imagine the snowballs at the end and almost roll them back up the hill and stick it on top of each other and it's like yes. ah, eight <laughs> yeah, eight yes that's it who's the missing character so the more they and also the site's really great because we we're not we're not cheap but we're not super expensive because we work in we believe in rewarding the children when they finish learning their tables we give back a lot of the money that's been paid into so we kind of hold it there ready to give back the money to the child that's finished their tables and then we also have prizes for the most practiced kids um in our vip area which you probably didn't see but you know the names come up for the most practiced and we send them a little prize and post so you know it's all about um keeping the child motivated to keep learning because we have a 17-day challenge on there once they finish it they win back some of the money which is really great and it really works yeah otherwise because we tried you know it is interesting because when you develop these apps and things if you give them away for not much money, then you find that the parents are like, well, who cares? It only cost me that much. I'm not going to bother. Mm. But when they have had to put a little bit of money in, they then think, well, okay, you've got to use this because I paid this much. <laughs> and also if you do finish, we get some money back. You get money back and you get a price, you know. So, it, you know, we needed to build those factors in too, even though it probably slowed down how many people would take it up. But it doesn't fail to um, to work. Yeah. So then we, the people who use us, they are like, oh, that's brilliant. That's great. I've never had my child want to jump on something. To, you know, they're literally, I want to do my table fables. And they're like, okay, yes, yes, yes. After your breakfast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, fantastic, fantastic. Right. So, yes, we do believe in um, encouraging learning and rewarding learning and practice. So that's a big ethos behind um, what we do. Yeah, yeah, because it's quite funny. The Irish uh, six comes up and tells you you can get a boatload of cash back. <laughs> so this is, it. I like the way you've got skin in the game and then a motivation to get on with it. And it's, it's really clever. You just come on and holding cash, like you just get a all this cash back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah take all of the money talk, money talk. Yeah, talks. yeah. And I was like, that's that's. Really I mean, cool. nothing motivates kids more than cash these days. <laughs> no. That's for sure. Yeah. So, Does yeah. It, is it compatible with like? Because it seems like every kid I see has got. Uh, an iPad of some description. Uh, is it compatible with that, mm. or do you have to do it by the computer? I've only sort of accessed it by my PC, to be honest. Oh yeah, 
no, no, yeah, you can do it on an iPad. Works on an iPad, fine. I think a lot of people have asked why we haven't created an mm -hmm. app, but the answer to that is we also like to send the parents emails telling them what times tables their child has finished today, inspiring the parent to kind of do a little test with their kid. They get monitored emails, so telling them where their child is at with their learning process. So, and there's just a lot of other things you can do when you keep it on, you know, web-based rather than app-based. Ah, yes. Yeah, so it, it does work fine. You can create a shortcut to your iPad as well, so it just, you know, works exactly like an app. But, you know, a lot of parents maybe aren't that savvy, but it's fine. You just keep it on your, in your bookmarks yes, yeah. kind of thing on an iPad. Yeah, that's yeah. where it's going. But, yeah, no, it works on everything, phone, iPad, and laptop, computer. Yeah, mm. okay. So you obviously you spend quite a bit of time in Australia as well as London. Do you find the neurodiversity world different between the two places? Is the attitude? Um, not really. I find it, well, I find the people who are dyscalculic or, yeah, exactly the same. The systems, though, that they come out are slightly different. Mm. You know, as explained um, in Iceland, they do get screened and then they get dumped. Um and the UK, they don't really screen. It's not a, I mean, you know, and this is the thing. They've been screening for dyslexia for quite a long time now. And it's just like, well, come on, man. You know, this is, this is a significant learning difficulty. And if you get it, just like with dyslexia, if you diagnose early, the earlier the better. Because um, the earlier you mean or, or know that they need to learn in a certain way, the better it is for the, the child. I don't know whether it's just laziness or they just can't be bothered. I've had some really good conversations with people um, who work with dyslexia um, screening and and the school processes, and, uh, it, you know, they pretty much bang their heads against the wall with frustration because they're just the money, the money isn't there, I suppose, at the end of the day. And what, what it is, though, is that we want to try, because screening isn't very expensive and you can actually screen for free now online you can do online screenings for mm. free but we would like that diagnosis to be enough to for the teacher or the school to pay attention um unfortunately it doesn't seem to be the case they then have to go on to get a much more complicated diagnosis which can co you know cost three to four hundred pounds upwards mm. or six eight hundred dollars upwards in australia and you know parents just can't a lot of parents just can't afford that kind of money so, you know, it would be really great if the screening was all they needed. And they generally do, if you are in a schooling system which does, which has a level of education about dyscalculia in particular, then you're probably going to get somewhere with the screening results. But that's the problem too. Most teachers don't have any training on how to teach kids with dyscalculia. And obviously I don't blame them because it is a a minority um, of kids in the classroom but it's frustrating when you kind of come up with something like table fables that we know works mm -hmm. for all children because it's not just kids with dyscalculia who use us it's all children use us and um, we know we can teach all children their times tables in a very quick easy way and and that would be beneficial to the whole classroom and the fact that you can't even give it away for free just, it's just, it's just really yeah. frustrating. It just makes you question, 
you know, are you really <laughs> here trying to teach or are you just jumping through the hoops, you know, are you just like ticking the boxes? I don't know. So it is very frustrating. Yeah, I can imagine. I, it, once again, <laughs> you shouldn't get on that topic yeah, <laughs> you're talking to somebody who, who uh, struggled mm. at school themselves, so uh, we could be on this for hours. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. I know, right? I know. Ever, ever since I launched the website, and it's going to be a year old in a couple of months, <laughs> it surprises me how much uh-huh. there is in the neurodiversity world of teaching stuff that I thought wasn't teachable. Uh, and it's like, Wow, yes, all of these that's it. people like yourself, and there's loads of them springing up left, right, and center. They're like, hey, this yeah. is really clever. And it does work for neurotypical mm-hmm. as well. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I put it, if I'd put that in front of my seat, table favors in front of my niece, she, she would love it because she'd just laugh at all the stories. <laughs> it is just, it is frustrating, but it is what it is. And, you know, I think almost. I'm not saying that online learning is the way that children should be taught because I don't think it's it's the right way. But at least now there are tools out there that as long as people hear about them, it's just getting, you know, getting mm-hmm. the voice, the message out there. It's really quite difficult because there's so much junk yes, out there too. Oh, and, you know, once bitten twice shy for a lot of parents because they throw money at something and it doesn't work and then they're like, well, I'm not going to try this which is maybe 10 times more expensive. I don't blame them because, you know, there is a lot of junk out there. Um, but So it is quite hard to find very effective methods that do really work and that keep the child engaged. That's the key. So Yeah, de- yeah. definitely. I, I think you're right there. One thing I did want to ask, I was just thinking, going back to when we were talking about teenagers and they're kind of lost. So in a, dys- a dyslexia sometimes, because dyslexia people tend to be, quite intelligent it's normally they get to a point where they hit a threshold where they can't outwork it and for some people that's really young they get picked up mm-hmm. at a young age other people when it hits university with work they just get so hard that, that they can't outwork it and outsmart it anymore mm. is there a similar thing happens with dyscalculia oh for sure because and i think teenagers um because they didn't you know, it's like building a house with poor foundations. It's going to fall down eventually. So it's almost like they have to go all the way back to learn the basics, the foundations. Even if they have pieced together little bits and bobs along the way, they know that, you know, if they do have to... Uh, yeah, I was speaking to one of my clients quite recently and she was just telling me the story of when she found out that she had to do a certain type of maths in her mm. degree, you know, she just fell apart because she was just like, I'm not going to be able to pass that. Absolutely nothing will be able to help me pass that, which means I may as well quit now. And that's just devastating because you're like, well, I suppose in many ways she was led to believe that she couldn't ever learn. And, and that, I think, is the real tragedy of um, of of mm. the whole process mm. it's like these kids really are believe they come out believing a that they are stupid and b that they won't ever be able to learn but neither of those things are true so you know she she ended up um you know getting a tutor and trying to learn what she needed to do but she just couldn't get there and then you know the amount of guys i speak to as well who they're going for something like mm. mechanics and, you know, mass comes up 
and they're like, geez, I left, I left school in year nine. So, and they left in year nine because they couldn't do maths. And then they're just trying to chase some kind of skill set. And then, you know, maths jumps in and then they're just put back to square, you know, back to, back to the first, back to the beginning. So it, it is always, it's just a roadblock that constantly pops up. Um, and, you know, and I think a lot of the teenagers that I've, I've spoken to, they think that, you know, oh, okay, that's great. I've done, I've come all the way through high school. I didn't need to worry too much about the maths because I didn't really do any maths. Um, and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, they're looking at their outline for their, the, the degree they want to do. And they're like, well, I can't do that anymore. So, yeah, it is, you know, and I went to university and the amount of subjects I did relate that weren't related to what I was studying. I'm like, why am I learning that? You know, and they, and, and university is crazy because they just need to fill the course with content. doesn't matter how relevant it is or not. They just fill it with content, you know, and you're like, what, why am I studying law here? <laughs> I'd hire a bloody lawyer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. I went to a modern university, so they were very focused on the engineering. But um, there's two universities in the city that I studied in, and the kind of old institution, they had to elect certain mm. things. And it's to expand your knowledge outside of the very focused engineering field. And it has its pros and cons. But if you're picking, a, well, you're not mm. going to pick an engineering degree if you just calculate, it, but we we'll just stick with that analogy. If no. you pick an engineering degree because it suits yeah. you and then you're put into it, you have to do a side subject mm-hmm. to build up your credits. But I'm already doing the thing that mm-hmm. suits me. I, 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 don't, I don't want to burn myself out trying to over, yeah, overwork the side subject just for credits. That's really yeah. frustrating. Yes, yes. I've never understood it. But it generally is those side subjects that then will one girl I was talking to, she wanted to do fashion. Mm. She, you know, going to college and doing fashion. And one of the side subjects was accounting because it's kind of like they they train you to yes, run your own yes. business, I suppose. And then she came undone with that. So you're just like, okay, yeah. Even though, you know, she already struggled with measurements and things like that, but had learned a way around it. And this is the great thing about the discalculate brain as well um and i'm sure with dyslexic brain then the non-neurotypical brain they're really great with problem solving so they learn how to do it in a different way they still get to the right place but they do it in mm. a completely different way which mm. is quite fascinating which is you know i suppose your life hack show your life hacks website touches on that because you just learn a different way and that's what i was trying to do with the discalculate.me site as well you know, getting people to write and saying, well, how do you do this and how do you do that? And ultimately, I wanted just to start a forum on discalculate.me, but it ends up costing quite a lot of money and I'm really not making any money at the moment. So I can't throw too much money at things like forums. But, you know, it it would be, it's it's great because that's what people really need. They need yes. to talk to each other. Um, and that's how yeah, they can it's, solve. It's a the lot reason of I have a big button yeah. in the top right corner that says submit a hack because <laughs> please send me your ones too because I'm yeah. really interested to hear what everybody says yes yes I saw that that's really great exactly yeah, it gets people yeah. talking so I'm going to round it off with rapid fire questions but I do want to touch on one thing before we get to there um, I'm going to have to modify the rapid fire questions considering the subject but any advice for anybody listening who thinks they might 
be themselves or know somebody who's dyscalculated, how can they tell what is a rough sort of test they might be able to do just to kind of see if their assumptions are right? Well, I would pretty much say that if they if they have mass anxiety, mm. then the chances of them having dyscalculia are pretty high. Right. Um, because mass anxiety will only happen if you, well, you know, I mean, just the fact if you really struggle with mental arithmetic, it's pretty likely that you have dyscalculia, you know. It's just like if you struggle to read, it's pretty likely that mm. you have dyslexia. Okay. Um so, yeah, it pretty much is that. Or, you know, a lot of people definitely link with the bad time management, um, so really poor time management. The analog clock thing, that's a real telltale sign, that one. I think diagnosis comes quite quickly and just as soon as you... And what I find, too, is that even, pe- you know, people who've grown up with dyscalculate haven't ever heard of it just have always thought that mm. they're just a little bit stupid. Yes. That's yes. literally what they think. Then they find out about dyscalculia mm. and it is a great relief to them. They're like, oh, my goodness, that's what I've got. What? <laughs> that means that I'm not stupid? You know, pretty, pretty much because that's what it does. It, it, it tells you, you know, you're not stupid. You can learn this stuff. You just not you haven't been taught the right way for your particular brain and the way your neural connections happen have happened. Yeah. And that is a really big relief. Yeah, it's 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 just a really great thing to know that it's and like dyslexics, dyslexics as well. People with dyscalculia usually have a very you know a better than average IQ. They're, they're certainly not stupid. Yes. So that's the last yes. thing. Yes, um, But yeah, so pretty much, I think if you're really bad at mental arithmetic and you still use your fingers to count, that kind of thing, you know, you're more than oh, likely okay. have dyscalculia. <laughs> Yeah, no, you run out of fingers uh-huh. pretty quickly, I found. But I do like the trick with the nine, the nine times table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you can't take shoes off in the middle of the office, though. <laughs> yeah, why, are you wearing, yeah. why are you wearing sandals today? I'm doing a lot of maths. <laughs> okay, I'm going to round this off with a few rapid-fire questions, and I'm going to change the word dyslexia in this question to this calculia because it seems more appropriate. I think we've touched on quite a lot of them anyway. So uh-huh. the first one, you can give me as long answers as you like uh-huh. for these. The first one is... Uh, what prejudice do you have about dyscalculia that has been proven wrong? That uh, they can't do maths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they can. Yeah. And do you know, I also have a theory. Okay. Because I think what happens, what happens to um, a dyscalculate brain when they are taught how to do maths? What things are they going to solve? What mathematical problems are they going to solve with with their brain you know what mm-hmm. i mean because um mass really is the foundations of all life when you think about it and mass is almost like the purest science on the planet yeah. and so when you have a, someone who thinks differently doesn't think inside you know thinks outside the box especially when it comes to numbers what where is mass going to go and it's almost like Humanity is being is doing itself a disservice by not teaching these kids maths, or not making them feel comfortable with it, not making them feel like they can do it. I think it's been a disservice, and so I'm really excited to see what happens in the future with these children who've pretty much been left behind as far as maths goes, and see what they actually do with maths once they 
they can learn once we teach them in a way they understand. So that's that's exciting. Yes. So, okay, next question. Uh, how would you describe dyscalculia if an alien come down and asked you? Um, I would describe it as um, if an alien came down and asked. I would literally say dyscalculia or someone with dyscalculia, it's, it's, a, it's a being who has the ability to do maths but not the ability to learn maths the way it's been taught. <laughs> yes. That's what I would say. I would say that um, they they also, I mean, with the other things that I mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, with just calculate like the, you know, I mean, analog clock, that's neither here nor there. It's a kind, a kind of human invention, isn't it? That, yeah, does. But, you know, there's digital clocks and stuff like that now. But the getting lost very easily in time management and all that kind of stuff and also remembering dance steps, you know, <laughs> Don't, I think coordination is a bit of an issue. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, following recipes. But once again, I think any of those things, if you taught them in a different way, uh, it wouldn't be a problem. Time management is, an, it, it is a funny one. As far as that's concerned, it's like I just get people to really start using things like their phone, setting alarms on their mm. phone, like leave now. You know, if you've got a gym class at 11, 10, set your alarm to go off at quarter past to say leave, leave for the gym yes. and, and just do as your phone says, you know. <laughs> so there's so many, there's so many modern tools now that can help with so much and especially, you know, maps, um, Google Maps and whatever maps, you know, it's, it's, you don't have to read. Yeah, it tells you where to go now. So. It's quite funny, isn't it, that um, the... <laughs> Bill Gates and Steve Jobs are neurodiverse, and the devices that really mm-hmm. help the neurodiverse out are their inventions. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's that's a, it's a real plus, though, isn't it? That some of the greatest minds on the planet have dyslexia. I mean, a lot of them do, um, and dyscalculia, most likely as well. Um, there are they don't really. It's not really out there. Dyscalculia, not as much as dyslexia, but. I, I bet my bottom dollar that a few of them have dis, dyscalculia. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine as dyscalculia becomes more recognised, we all start working out who has come up with things that actually had it or looking back into time. Okay, so That's final it. question on the podcast, and I think I'm going to guess what your answer is, but uh, uh-huh. I'm going to tweet is it's the Dyslexia Life Hacks show. So normally the question is only Dyslexia Life Hacks, but obviously... For you, it will be any dyscalculia life hacks. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, okay, dyscalculia life hacks. I think, you know, as far as uh, remembering phone numbers is a big mm-hmm. one. I mean, who remembers phone numbers anymore, really? But we should, Theory. you know, we should certainly teach our children off by heart one number, you know, in case they need, yes. yeah. need it. But generally speaking, it's always about breaking things down, making things a bit smaller and then creating a story around it, something that you'll remember, you know. Like in my grandmother was born on the 5th of the 6th in 1959, you know, and whatever the numbers read, make up a story. So I would say the best thing for any kind of dyscalculia issue is turn it into a language create a story around it and, you know, practice as well is really key. So 
on the website, we have little things like, you know, on your way to work, if you're walking past car, you know, cars are driving past, take the numbers on the plates and try and add them together, you know, in whichever way your brain can add things together. Mm. So practice, 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 because it really does improve your mental maths. Um, but yeah, turn, turn things into languages, turn things to stories, turn things into things that you know your brain can remember because it doesn't have to stay as a number. It can, it can turn into whatever you want it to. Yeah, so that would be my overall life cool. hack or dyscalculia. Cool, cool. Okay, well, is there anything else you'd like to share or promote before we sign off today? Uh, well, yeah, I, I really do think for, for teenagers and adults with dyscalculia, I think learning to get over your mass anxiety and learning how to, you know, I, I think a lot of self-esteem is affected by our schooling and the experiences we had at school um, and then moving forward. But, yeah, I think it really is important just to, A, really understand what dyscalculia is, really recognise that you're not stupid, you can learn maths, you just need to get past the anxiety and then there, is, there are going to be more and more tools coming forward and a better understanding of dyscalculia moving forward. And so there's always going to be more and more help out there for, for it. So don't let any, you know, any limiting belief stand in your mm. way. Mm. Just, just work through it. And, you know, you, you can do it. You can do it. That's my ultimate message, I think. Anything is possible. Yes, definitely. Mm. Well, thank, thank you, Marnie, for taking the time and uh, sorting out between our two different time zones to come on the podcast. Um, it's been really interesting. Yeah, no problem. And I've learned a lot. So I will post links to all the websites I've spoken about, particularly discalculia.me and Table Fables at dyslexialifehacks.com forward slash podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening and goodbye. Great. Thanks, everyone. Bye.